I invite you to stand with me now for the reading of God's Word from Acts chapter 28, verses 11 through 31. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship, the figurehead of the twin gods, Castor and Pollock. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there, we set sail and arrived at Regium. The next day, the south wind came up, and on the following day, we reached Utioli. There we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them, and so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the Forum of Appius and the Three Taverns to meet us. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me, because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, we have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of our people who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you, but we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God. From the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. Holy Spirit, spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's hearts have become callous. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, Understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Maybe see.
good to be here and be able to preach for us again this morning. Charlie invited me to preach uh, with a little bit less lead time than sometimes, and uh, when and, and he uh, let me know along the way. He told me this in the past that uh, if if that happens or when that happens, that if I have some sermon from the past that I have preached that I would be able to use again, I'm welcome to do that. And so that's what I'm doing today, is I found a sermon that I preached a long time ago. Uh, Many of you know that Shirley and I, my wife and I, were missionaries for 14 years serving in Latin America. And this sermon that I'm preaching for us today is one that I preached at our church in Europe the Sunday after 9-11-2001. So you're hearing what I preached at that church nearly 22 years later. We probably all know where we were, what we were doing on 9-11-2001. We remember that tragedy in this country. And Shirley and I were in Europe when that happened, and we uh, we got that news, and it was it was something that none of us did, that was just we couldn't understand it, we couldn't believe it was happening, and and as we we faced that news, we 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 faced a chapter now before us that we read part of it here Acts 28. We face a chapter where it would seem that there's some very bad news going on in this chapter. Paul is arriving in Rome, not as a free person, but as a prisoner. And so we could ask the question, well, how can God use that for good? If Paul is in prison, how is he going to witness in Rome? And here we are, 22 years after I first preached this, 22 years almost after 9-11-2001. And there are still tragic things happening around us in this world, aren't there? Tragic things. And we can look at those things going on around us Say, how can God use this for good? How can how can He redeem this situation? But God, that's what He specializes, and we can take hope in that. We can see that even in the midst of the difficult circumstances that Paul faced here in Acts twenty-eight, that he trusted in the Lord to the end, and he took the gospel to Rome which would have been the ends of the earth in that time period. So, in verses 11 through 16, then, we see Paul arriving in Rome. He had been in a shipwreck. The shipwreck is described for us at the end of Acts chapter 27, the first part here of Acts chapter 28. And it probably happened... They, scholars think it probably happened in the month of October, and then they had to spend the winter in Malta, where the shipwreck happened, 
so that in February or March, they started their journey, their journey again. We see in verse 1, it gives us a little bit of detail, a little bit of description about the ship that Paul was sailing in. It was an Alexandrian ship from Egypt. And it tells us that it had the figurehead of the twin god, Pollux. I had never heard of them before. I, I, as I was studying the passage, I said, what's that about? Why, why is it telling us this? And I learned that these are gods that are represented by the constellation Gemini in the sky. And that Gemini was considered a sign of good luck or especially for Egyptian sailors. So that, that's why that would have been on that ship. And it's interesting how Luke included that here in his account for us. And then we come down to verse 15. And I'd like to point out a few things there for us. Let's read verse 15 again. The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming. And they traveled as far as the Forum of Appius and the Three Taverns to meet us. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. So these names of these places, Forum of Appius, Three Taverns, how far they are from Rome, that's probably also information we're not so familiar with. So it turns out that the three taverns would have been about 33 miles away from Rome, and the form of Appius would have been another further 10 miles beyond there, another 10 miles making it about 43 miles from Rome. And so these people from Rome would have walked to go meet Paul there and greet him as he was coming to Rome. According to Google Maps, if I were to take a walk from here in Portland down to Amity, Oregon, that's about 43 miles, and it would take me about 11 hours, maybe, maybe according to Google Maps. So so it, it's pretty weird in our minds, I think, to imagine, okay, I'm going to walk from Portland to Amity. No, I don't think many of us would imagine taking on such a trip. But I talked or I emailed with Sang, our missionary that we financially support, and got his permission to use him in an illustration this morning right now, even though he's not here with us today. So, so Sang gave me permission to talk about him, and, and so let's imagine that Sang has been over on his mission field in Papua New Guinea, and now he's returned back to the United States. He's arrived down in Los Angeles, and so a group of us from here at our church decided, okay, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go meet Sang. And he's way down there in Los Angeles, but let's get in our cars and let's go meet him. And we'll meet him in Fresno, California. That's, that's quite a ways away. We'll drive down to Fresno. Google Maps says that 12 hours by car to drive to Fresno, California. So we drive for 12 hours, and we finally get to Fresno. Hey, Zane, you're back from Papua New Guinea. Welcome back to the U.S. You're coming to Portland. It's good to have you here. We're here to encourage you, to bless you, and let's keep you company on the rest of the way back to Portland. 
Now we get back in our car and drive 12 more hours back to get up here to home again. Can you imagine? That takes some imagination. That's, that's, that's hard for us to even believe we would do something like that. These people in verse 15 went out and they went distances and amounts of time like that to encourage Paul. And Paul, thank God for them, was encouraged. That, that might ought to bring up a question or two for us. Maybe we ought to think a bit about who in our lives, who in our church needs some encouragement. And maybe after we've got a name and a face for who needs some encouragement, the next question might ought to be, am I willing to sacrifice in order to go and encourage that person? It might not look like driving 12 hours or walking 12 hours to go meet them. It, it probably wouldn't look like that. But maybe there is something that we could do to encourage someone in our lives that does require a certain level of sacrifice that we wouldn't normally do. May God help us to find that person, those people, and sacrifice in a way similar to what these Christian brothers and sisters did for Paul in verse 15. Let's be alert and ready to encourage. In verses 17 through 23, Paul has arrived in Rome and now he's preaching in Rome. He preaches to the Jews. Philippians chapter 1, we won't go there in our Bibles now, but Philippians chapter 1 verses 12 through 14 tell us that Paul also preached to the palace guards to his very own guards that were guarding him while he was in prison. And he also encouraged other believers to be witnessing, to share their faith. So Paul was preaching to the Jews. He was preaching to the palace guard. He was telling other Christians, you do it too. And then in verses 24 through 28, he's preached to the Jews, but now he's responding to some of these Jews who are unbelieving. They're not believing what he's preaching. And we notice that Paul is preaching to the people who are the most resistant and to the most receptive people. He's preaching to Jews. He's preaching to Gentiles. He's preaching the gospel wherever he goes to whoever he can preach it to. And it's easy for us to choose between one group or the other. It's easy for us to be with people like us, share our same values. And Paul shows us that we need to take the gospel to everyone. And then we come to verses 30 and 31 in our passage. Three results. Verses 30 and 31. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. During these two years, 
Paul probably wrote Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. And then sometime after the events of the book of Acts, he wrote 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus. The emperor at this time of these events would have been Nero, who was known for persecuting Christians. And Paul was also known for persecuting Christians before he became a Christian. So now he is one of the persecuted. But he trusted in God and he kept on giving a witness of his faith until the end. And that's how the book of Acts ends. My sermon title today is The Unfinished Book. You might be wondering why? Why is Scott calling it The Unfinished Book? It has an ending. So let's keep going. Let's get a little closer here to what I mean by that. But first, before we do, let's talk about an unfinished piece of music. Maybe you might have heard of a famous composer from classical music from long ago, Franz Schubert. Franz Schubert wrote a lot of music, and it's interesting that he left some of it unfinished. He wrote the piano sonata in C major, and that's one example of some of his unfinished music. In some recordings, we're listening peacefully, enjoying the music. Suddenly, it ends, just like it fizzles out. There is no more. You're left hanging there, saying, is that it? Is that how that is? And we're left with many questions. Why didn't Schubert finish it? What would it have sounded like if he had finished it? And many people have tried to finish writing the sonata, but some pianists don't want to play a version of it that has an ending that wasn't composed by Schubert. Some pianists prefer to play it the way it is, unfinished, instead of playing a version that is partially composed by Schubert and partially composed by another composer. So now we come to this very end of this book of Acts, and something similar happens. We're reading peacefully, waiting to see what's going to happen to Paul after his two years in jail in Rome. And the book ends abruptly. We don't know anything else about what happens to Paul here. There are many conjectures. Some say that after the two years, he was freed. He traveled more, preached the gospel. Then he got imprisoned again and went back to Rome, and he was beheaded. That's one idea for what happened to him next. Another idea is just that at the end of these two years, he was martyred. But the Bible doesn't say we don't know. We're left with these questions. Why did Luke end the book this way? Why didn't he tell us what happened to Paul? Well, even though there is a lot of biographical information in the book about both Paul and Peter, it wasn't Luke's goal to write a biography about them. Luke's goal was to write about the spread of the gospel. He gave us his outline for the whole book of Acts in chapter 1, verse 8, where he wrote about the spread of the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And you know, 
we even today are in the process of writing another chapter of the book of Acts. Not literally adding to the Bible, I don't mean that, but every generation gets to write a new chapter of the spread of the gospel until the second coming of Christ. So what is our chapter going to be like? Are we taking the gospel to our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ends of the earth? Let's think for a moment about what our Jerusalem is. We all have relationships in these categories. Our family, our neighbors, our co-workers if we are working, or our classmates if we're in school, our friends. And those categories of relationships make up those who are close to us, our Jerusalem. It, also, we have people who are outside of those relationships who could be near us, our Judea and our Samaria. And the ends of the earth today, are, they're still the ends of the earth that need to have the gospel spread there. But what are some things that have not changed since this book was written until now? Well, one thing that has not changed is the gospel. The gospel is the same now as it was when this book was written. And also, another thing that has not changed is the way people respond to the message of the gospel. People respond either believing and accepting it, or they respond by not believing and rejecting it. And then another thing that has not changed is God's plan for those of us who are his to be spreading that gospel, to be participating in taking the gospel to others. Schubert didn't finish his sonata, and probably no one else could finish it the way he would have. If you have Spotify or Pandora or something, and you want to check it out, go listen to Sonata and C Major by Schubert. Speed ahead to the, almost the very end. Listen to the last minute, and you'll see what I've been describing. It's pretty interesting. Nobody could have finished it the way he would have. Well, God hasn't finished with all of what is described in the book of Acts. But it's not like that way it is with Schubert. We can say pretty confidently, Schubert's the only one who could have finished that the way Schubert would have. But with the book of Acts, we have these accounts of Paul and Peter preaching and spreading the gospel. And we could look back at those accounts and say, oh, only Paul, only Peter can spread the gospel. And if that's how you would think of that, let me invite you to consider otherwise. God wants each one of us to be useful in spreading that gospel to the rest of this world. He wants us to be authors that finish our generation's chapter, this book of Acts. Let's pray.